Welcome to the Life Changing Principles Podcast, where we take a new principle every week and explore how it changes our lives. I'm Leanne Hunt, ready to jump into today's principle. When my first child was two years old, I went to the library and I checked out a book called Your Two-Year-Old. It was written by a group that studied thousands of two-year-olds, interviewing their parents, watching them, and learned all the whole range of what two-year-olds do, what's normal behavior, what parents were dealing with, and then they wrote a whole book about it. It was awesome. I learned a couple of things in that book. First of all, there was a behavior that I was frustrated with and they had a suggestion and I thought, that's not gonna work, but I tried it anyway and it worked. And I figured out that first of all, I'm me and they're them over there. And then there's this interaction between these two independent beings. And then I learned that some of those interactions are predictable. The way kids are react is going to be predictable to some degree. And I also learned that other people have ideas that are going to work for me in my family. I learned that being a good parent is a little bit different than learning how good parenting works. There's skills to it. And so I began this lifelong quest of studying human behavior, learning how it works, learning how to figure it out. Today we're talking about the integration of motivation. What that means is basically how people take outside rules and expectations and pressures and they integrate them into themselves into something that they choose to do. Integration happens slowly over time as kids begin to develop their own sense of who they are and what kinds of rules they want to follow. I like to think of it this way. Picture a mother and a daughter facing each other. Now picture a line between them. That line is the boundaries that each of them have about their own behavior. If that line gets curved and pushed and the mom pushes the line in towards the kid, the kid's going to feel kind of squished. They're going to feel like there's these expectations they have to do. And instead of just wandering around in their environment, bumping up against the line, they're going to only exist in relation to that pressure they feel. If you imagine the kid pushing the other way, and the line getting pushed all the way towards the parent where the parent gets squished and the child becomes very large in this situation and the line curves towards squishing the parent, then the parent feels out of control like they have no options. And the kid also gets confused because there's no straight line that they can bump against, that they can experiment with and learn how to operate within a set of boundaries. There's no boundaries and so they get confused and frustrated. If we move this imaginary line right back into the middle again, which there's always going to be some give and take to it, but imagining it back in the middle, then there's a line that parents create that's clear and calm and that kids bump up against. And as they bump up against that, they learn to integrate from their environment. They learn to take on the rules and values and ideas of what's around them and make them a part of who they are. It's a normal and a natural process. There's two different issues that come up that I see with this process of integration. So the first one is this. Let's say, for example, your kid is really good at integrating outside expectations and rules. Let's say that they have their normal ups and downs of childhood, but that they really get along in the household. They kind of do what needs to be done for the most part. 
and they they cooperate and function and have integrated what it's like to be in this family, in this school, in this congregation. They're feeling a part and belonging to and have integrated all these outside values and expectations. And that's a good thing. One of the things that I see happening with today's young adults is that by the time they get to be young adults, they have this set of expectations they've absorbed and they've done it to the extent that they don't know what they want anymore. They've internalized it because it's been useful, they've found it helpful, and they enjoy being with their families and their groups that they're associating with. But when they move away and get new groups and start having to make their own decisions, they tend to struggle a lot because they don't know how to want things for themselves and then poke their environment and take action to create what it is that they want or need. I've got one adult kid who just is getting ready to graduate from college. We were talking about what he was going to do in the future. And he said, this is the first time in my life that I haven't been executing something that's been planned for me since I was four years old. It's still things that he chose of his own volition. He wanted to go to college. He wanted to do a lot of these things that were in this early life plan, but now it's wide open. He can choose what he wants to do and he's excited to go experiment and explore and try all these different kinds of things. I have another adult son that's really struggling with trying to figure out what he wants in his life. He doesn't know how to want things for himself. He wants things for his coworkers. He wants things for the betterment of the planet, but to want something for himself feels foreign to him. He's used to meeting others' expectations and doing a really good job of it, but not used to creating his own. In a class I was teaching, we brainstormed some ideas for why a kid might be really good at integrating and functioning in his life or her life, but not be able to figure out what they want and to put forth into the universe their own desires and to make those come to fruition. We came up with a bunch of ideas. So first of all, they might be fearful. They might be worried about what it's going to turn out like or what people might think. And that creates fear inside of them. Another idea was maybe they don't know themselves that well. Maybe they don't have a lot of self-awareness to know what it is they want. Another idea is that it's easier to do what you're told to do than to actually figure your life out and to make decisions based on not only your own desires, but on what you think might work and, and what you're capable of doing and what you're interested in doing. Another idea is that maybe this whole idea of choice is just too big. They're used to having more limited choices and to have the whole wide world open to you is hard and can be confusing. They can feel overwhelmed by all of the different choices and not know how to sort them out or maybe feel like whatever choices they make are going to be too permanent and that they don't have the opportunity to experiment and play with their lives. Another thing might be a lack of examples. We grow up in families and our families are one way of operating in the world, but sometimes we don't have a lot of other role models and examples of ways that we can live in the world, ways that we can live in different cultures and with different values and ideas. Another reason people may avoid wanting things and putting out into the world what it is they want is that in the past they may have been shut down for what they want, whether for good reasons or bad reasons, 
if you try to make a difference in the world and you keep getting shut down, then it's going to affect your ability to do that in the future. So for all these reasons and more, we end up with these young adult kids who don't know how to want things for themselves and struggle with becoming their own person and carving out their place in the world. It's something to think about as we try when they're young to get our kids to do things. We need them to do things because we live in the same house with them and we want them to be prepared for their future. So it's normal to want our kids to do things. But as we think about that, it's really important to not just give them the choice between this or that, two choices that we've created, but to have the dialogue with them, to ask them, what is it that you're interested in? What do you want to do? How do you think we could go about doing this? How do you want to handle this issue so we're not moving the line? We still expect things, but they have way more say in how it happens. The second issue that I see with how we integrate the outside expectations of our world into our own inner sense of volition and choice of how we want to behave and how we want to run our lives as we grow up is that motivation can be layered and complicated. There's more than one thing going on at a time. When you're stuck wanting to get your kid to do something and they're not wanting to do it, try unpacking these layers of motivation. Let's take, for example, a kid who doesn't want to shower and you want them to shower. Let's unpack some of the possible motivations that each of you might have. And that's actually the first point is that he's got motivations for why he doesn't want to shower. And you've got your own set of motivations that are layered about why you do want him to shower. So you might have a conversation that helps him to unpack all of the good reasons he doesn't want to shower. Make it light, make it fun. What are some good reasons you don't want to shower? It takes time. I don't like the way the water feels. I don't have a good towel. My towel is too small and when I walk back to my bedroom, it's embarrassing. The soap makes me itchy. I don't see the point in it. I don't like getting soap in my eyes when I wash my hair. Trevor down the street showers way less than I do and his life is way better than mine. And you might even uncover something like, Last month when I tried that new cool hairstyle, someone totally teased me about it, so I'm not gonna try looking good again. That was stupid. Having this conversation in a casual, fun, open, curious kind of way can help unpack all of the different motivations for why your kid doesn't wanna shower and make it be okay. In that conversation, don't try to pressure them, don't try to solve it. Just try to ask them more questions about this situation. Like, okay, if you could have a perfect world, when would you shower? How would you handle it? What would it look like? What kind of bathtub would you have? What kind of soap would you have? What kind of shower routine would just really make you happy? Or go to the opposite extreme and say, okay, what if you never showered again? What would happen? Make it playful, light, and fun so that they can unpack all of the different motivations that they might have and the consequences of showering and not showering. The second half of unpacking this motivation is unpacking your own motivation. Why do you want this kid to shower? Now, that might seem like a really obvious question, like, because he needs to shower, everybody showers. But if you look inside your own personal reasons, we have kind of funny reasons for why we do things. So some of your reasons might be, I want him to look presentable when he goes outside and talks to other people. I don't like sitting beside him on the couch because he stinks. Or even when people see him in this unshowered state, I think that they're thinking I'm a bad parent, that they're judging me. 
or even, I don't know, I've never thought about it. I just thought everybody showers, so that's what we all should do. It helps if you can really look inside and ask yourself, how does this affect me? What is it I really want in this situation? Are you worried about his future and telling yourself the story that if he doesn't shower now that he's never going to figure it out and go to college and never be able to date and get married and you're never going to have grandkids? Our minds create stories like that. Or is it something more immediate like, I really don't like sitting next to you on the couch because you smell. Or every time I see you and you haven't showered and your hair is really greasy, it's discouraging for me and distracting and it's hard for me to just relax and go about my day when I just keep thinking about you not showering. Whatever it is, once you get all of his layers and all of your layers unpacked out there, then it helps you be able to problem solve and to move forward and to make a plan that's open and curious and integrated. He can have a say in the plan. You can have a say in the plan. You can create a boundary. You can create experiments. You can say, all right, great. For one week, I'm just not going to bug you about it. And you tell me what the benefit is of not showering for a week. Of course, if you're going to school, that might not be a boundary you're willing to do, but in the summertime, it might be a boundary you're willing to experiment with. Once he knows that you're not going to force him to do this thing, at least in your way that he has some control over it, he'll be more ready to create his own pattern of how he wants to tackle this task of showering. So the principle is that integration is a natural, normal process. Everybody, when they're growing up, integrates some of the outside expectations into their own sense of who they want to be and their own sense of personal self-regulated motivation as they grow up. A secondary principle is that if we get really, really good at integrating and really, really good at, at following directions and at, at meeting the expectations of those around us, that we sometimes can lose our own sense of what we want, our own sense of how we want to impact the world. And when we get out on our own later and don't have people telling us what to do, we get a little bit lost and confused in the process. And the tool that's really helpful to sort through all of this is to unpack our layers of motivation, to ask our kids or our spouse or whoever we're talking to and ourselves, what is behind this? Why am I really wanting this? Am I feeling pressured in some way? Are they feeling pressured in some way? How can we unpack this and lay it out on the table so that we can then choose to focus on motivations that are helpful or solve the problem in some other way? Thanks for being here and taking a little time out of your busy life for personal development. I applaud you for that. We take change one step at a time. You're already on your way. You're already enough. You've got this. Have a great week and we'll see you for the next principle.